0: March of the women of science, women of science of and music of the 30 celebrations of episode 23 of flowers of, of spring there's many I am Frances M Lynch, the Artistic Director of Electric Voice Theatre, and you are very welcome to this special birthday celebration of a composer who lived 200 years ago and whose music I first encountered on our Echoes from Essex project during the first year of the pandemic. At that time, this was the only music of ours I could find online.
1: A hymn written in 1845
0: in praise of England. A fervent prayer for its
1: safekeeping,
0: which proved very useful in our celebration of the World War II aeronautical engineer from Essex, Baroness Rittle. The song's composer, Eliza Flower, was born in Essex too, but in Harlow, where she is buried with her sister, the poet Sarah Flower Adams. wrote this hymn as part of our regular work running choir and arranging all things musical for South Place Unitarian Chapel, creating new music for the weekly Sunday services. I'm here now... Not in the chapel, as it sadly is no longer in existence, but in its successor, Conway Hall, in their library, with the portraits of the Flower Sisters looking on. And I'm joined by...
1: Oscar Jensen. I'm a writer and historian and musicologist. I'm a New Act Fellow in music at Newcastle University. I do a lot of research on song and street life, but I'm particularly interested in the work of Eliza Flower as a composer from a political perspective, from a gender perspective, and just thinking about her quite amazing life.
0: So, Oscar, when I first walked into this library, I was pretty taken aback to see their images <laughs> hanging in such a prominent position. I mean, it's really unusual to see women, particularly in that era, uh, given this sort of importance.
1: You're seeing them framed right above the fireplace, Sarah on the left, Eliza on the right, in pride of place with some lovely sort of gold mounts around their images. I think they're there because they were absolutely crucial to the evolution of this society in the 19th century. They had a sort of legendary status in what has become, Con Hall Ethical Society, previously was South Place. They were talked about for generations and their association with the society was pretty long term in a formative part of its career. They're either side of a man called William Johnson Fox. Who
0: struck me instantly as I thought he was Rabby Burns. Just, that's what he, <laughs> if you're wondering what he looks like, that's what
1: he looks like. He is traditionally seen as very key in the switching of this from one to the other, but their influence over him and directly over the congregation, such as it was originally called, is I think second to none. This is a song written by her sister. Eliza Flower collaborates with various people. She sets a very wide range. Some very traditional, some very topical, some very radical. Her most emotional, her most intimate work is comes in collaborations with Sarah, and the lyrical subject of those tend to be more personal or connected to their faith. I can see the Kimlo nimbus there, towering above me. There seems some real tone painting going on there. There's really the the towering clouds and then the floating away. That's impressive depiction.
0: It makes me wonder whether she wrote things for the piano. Mm. Because this would have been played by her and sung by her sister. Her sister had the lower voice, right? Yes. She's obviously a really good pianist. This set of songs, the Songs of the Month, this is the March song and we've recorded the February song. Every month in this year of 2023, we're putting out one of her songs alone. Now, they appeared like that.
1: They did, in the monthly repository, which, until it was taken over by Fox, whom we mentioned earlier, was the Theological Monthly Repository. It took the theological out of the title, and people said, very swiftly, took the theological out of the contents. But the point is, this is a serial production, and this isn't just some abstract concept of Songs of the Month. This is a commercial publication. It's leading front and centre by this journal here you've got a new song for this month in your parlours in your drawing rooms for this really quite large middle class circulation because in this year the circulation of the monthly repository increased enormously this must have been one of the major selling attractions
0: this podcast is celebrating her birthday, which was the 19th of April in 1803. So her April song will be coming out at the same time. We won't be playing it in this podcast. You'll have to listen to it on our website. Excellent. (laughs) Rose, rose, open my leaves. Spring is whispering love to thee. One of her sets of songs about spring... Is really talking about spring and flowers and the season. It is her clear love of nature. It's a duet, which I assume she would have sung with her sister. Oh, well, I when
1: flowers are living in London They spend a long time in Dalston Which at that time was still connected to Essex It was looking east and it was also in the countryside But there, there's wonderful writing about the household they had there And the garden And talk about the the trees and the flowers in that garden And the sense of it being like an, a songbird's cage but open And this sort of bucolic romantic retreat And that's quite important for thinking about uh, free liberal thought and discussion As much as it is for genuinely thinking about flowers as well is spring, spring come forth? Is
0: spring come forth? Is spring. She wrote two sets of songs for the season, said she. The free trade season songs were, of course, with Sarah, very much written for this free trade bizarre. Now, <laughs> I love the word bizarre because it was bizarre. Yes they transformed the whole of the opera house, Covent Garden, Garden, not just the stage, but the whole thing into this incredible sort of cathedral for 17 days, thousands of people were coming and bringing stuff to sell and there were speeches going on, all sorts. It sounded incredible. You have to
1: imagine in your mind's eye that you can see this particular image of one stall at this bazaar, which is one of the opera boxes. And there's a woman selling silks and textiles leaning down from up in this box to people on the ground. It looks truly magical and it must have been a magical experience. This
0: set of songs was one of the things to be sold, presumably at quite an exorbitant price, <laughs> so that people would take this music away and sing it in their homes to their husbands and sons and brothers. Absolutely. Who would then hear the politics of our poor are starving. Come on, guys, do something about it. It's a very clever tactic, isn't it?
1: Vincent Novello who has a large stake in this and who is really giving the highest accolade he could publishing it commercially, he's backing it which is really important because he is one smart cookie when it comes to the music trade
0: Novello thought of her as one of the finest composers This is right at the beginning of the Novello publishing house and he chooses her
1: Such a huge venture that's starting out in such a risky situation to put her front and centre yeah. So, it has to occupy that space of simple music for pleasure. And to be putting out stuff that's so sophisticated in that space is really remarkable.
0: And also, it was absolutely played on the concert stage.
1: That too. (laughs)
0: political songs with Fox as well there's the Day labourer song which you, is your favourite I think <laughs> and the Baron's Bold which is definitely mine and it's, it's
1: inspiring sort of run through this roll call of English history taking it right back to King John you know the 12, Baron's Bold mean yep 1215 <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Baron's Bold on run Rand- need by union won their charter true men were they prepared to bleed but not their rights to bar.
1: but there's this progression through the three verses from the the barons then
0: into the commons the commons brave in charles's time by union made the crown fall and showed the world that royal crime should lead to royal down fall and this he
1: goes on to be a member and, and, and of parliament. He's working within the system but here we have a deeply extreme statement, even imagining the death of the monarch. To talk about this kind of thing and relate it to politics is about as extreme as you can get. Then
0: are the we the victory of the people. And then the people.
1: Which is bringing it right and up it, to date.
0: Yes, and saying that this is the same. But it's so sad because it finishes with them saying Our arms
1: shall soon be
0: so you're thinking, actually, they won't, it'll, no. I mean, people are still protesting now.
1: It's a long old fight, but I think this is all part of an ongoing campaign and we just can't forget it. We're
0: sitting here at the moment, surrounded by people on strike. Yes. As it happens. Today. I walked
1: here from the Euston Road and the junior doctors at University College Hospital were in fine voice. The Gathering of the Unions, March and Song. <laughs> I don't know, um, not as famous today as she should be as one of the key political thinkers and reformers of the mid-19th century. They
0: wrote protest songs from yes. the 1830s.
1: They're the greatest power songwriting partnership of protest song of the century. The words are of its time, and the words particularly do this really wonderful thing, I think, of giving voice to the people singing it. And the refrain, you know, and hark we raise from sea to sea, the sacred watchword of liberty. And hark we live. When 100,000 people, as happened in 1832 in Birmingham, are singing that, you can actually hear the sacred watchword Liberty being raised from sea to sea. Mm. And unions, of course, are well on the way. This is very much the era of the gathering of the unions, this song puts it front and center. It does all feel very relevant in an age of strikes and increasing food poverty and a cost of living crisis.
0: The relationship foundered in 1834.
1: Yes, Harriet Martineau is one of those who cannot in all conscience continue to be friends with Fox and Flower after they set up this separate household. The context here is that Fox is the guardian of the sisters. Two years earlier, 1832, Fox formally separates from his wife but they continue to live apart under the same roof which must have been an interesting situation for everyone by 1834 Fox actually leaves his wife to set up a separate establishment with Eliza Flower. this is right after these amazing songs that have come out between Martineau and Flower. there is a reconciliation later on there are very moving letters in the last years of Eliza's life where she sends a copy of the hymns and anthems to Harriet Martineau they come back together after a decade Please. Yes. Volume 1 of Hymns and Anthems, selected and arranged by W.J. Fox, 1841. The
0: words chiefly from holy scripture and the writings
1: the writings of poets. And this is a really radical thing, and if you're thinking about a hymn book, you're thinking about texts that are religious, this secularisation of the form of the hymn is really key to what South Place is doing. <laughs> some of these hymns are for the congregation to sing, some are anthems that are more purely for the choir, some are for relationships between the two.
0: Near am I got to the? It's quite different from any of the other hymn settings and it's one that she wrote with Sarah.
1: It's because it's the one of these pieces that lyrically will be familiar to a lot of people because of what has happened to that piece since and people talk about it being the last thing that was played before the Titanic went down and so on and it's still one of the biggest hymns in the world but not in that setting. As you say the thing that's extraordinary is this original musical setting.
0: And it it clearly Eliza realised how important this hymn was to Sarah
1: It's deceptive because Eliza has such a way with a melody and a hook and a refrain that you have these anchoring things that do come back and again and you might think from a casual glance that, again, it's it's, it's strophic, but no, it is a a (laughs) through-composition... We should remember her not just for that hackneyed sense that behind every great man there's a there's a great woman because i'm looking as we speak up at big old fox with the two sisters much smaller beside but in terms of legacy to this day i'd certainly put both of them more front and center than him in terms of the lasting impact of what they did Robert Browning in a letter in her final years. For me, I never had another feeling than entire admiration for your music. Entire admiration, he repeats. I put it apart from all other English music I know and fully believe in it as the music we all waited for.
0: of Eliza Flower, sung by members of the Electric Voice Theatre and the Electric Voice Theatre Virtual Choir. Many thanks to Oscar Jensen for discussing Eliza Flower with me today and to the Conway Hall Ethical Society for allowing us to record this podcast in their beautiful building and of course to you for listening. That's the end of episode 23, Flowers of Spring. You can find out more about the project on electricvoicetheatre.co.uk. Do join us for future episodes of Women in Science and Music 30 celebrations as our story of women's contribution to culture and heritage continues. Oh,